Hi, I'm Mystic by Moonlight, and you're listening to the Witch Way Podcasts. Let's go, witches! Hi, everyone. It's Mystic by Moonlight, and welcome back to the Witch Way Podcast. I hope everyone had a wonderful Samhain and that you're all doing really well. I had a great Samhain. I got a lot of family together and we spent a lot of time reminiscing. Uh, We got to do that spell that I talked about in the last episode. We did that as a group. Everyone set their own intentions for the new year and lit their own candle and it was really great. Then I used my uh, dousing rods and we got to communicate a little bit with the ancestors and it was just a really overall good night. And then following that was my younger sister's 21st birthday, which was so wild to me. It was also a great time, but I just can't believe that my baby sister is 21. And I, yeah, it was just kind of crazy. So yeah, it was a very busy, but good week. Um, and then I got injured. So that is why this episode is a little behind and I am currently recording this while I'm laying down because uh, I'm still in a lot of pain from that, but I wanted to get this done and I wanted to talk to you guys about magical tools in witchcraft. Now, there are a lot of magical tools and depending on who you talk to, they may say you absolutely need them, that you need to get everything, devote myself to it properly, I began to turn to a lot of books and doing a lot of research and things like that. And in my mind, I had this like idea that if I didn't have all the tools, then I wasn't doing it properly. And I didn't even really think about it at that time about finding substitutions. As I went on and started building my collection of things that I use. I did wind up going to some antique stores, some thrift stores to buy um, certain things because I had spent so much money on tools that I didn't have like any left. And I thought like, okay, I can't justify spending like whatever it was, $55 on this tiny little metal bowl. I'm sure I can find another offering bowl somewhere. And so, yeah, so I'm just going to start getting into a lot of the common tools that you may have seen and what their purpose is, what they represent. And then I'll kind of talk about which ones I use consistently and which ones I literally never use. So, yeah. So in witchcraft, there are tools that are practical uses and tools that are symbolic. And a lot of people buy these tools on their altar and there's a certain way that you can set them up to correspond with the elements that they correspond with. So if you have your element of air, your element of water, your element of fire, you can place them in certain places on your altar to make sure that they coincide with the right directions. 
And yeah, so let's get started. And it doesn't have to be this fancy leather bound book. And it absolutely can be if that's what you have. But it could just be any notebook, binder, whatever you have. And it's just a place for you to write as you learn, a place for you to make note of symbolism for certain things. You can make note of herbs, runes, crystals, their benefits, their meanings, a place for you to record the spells that you try, if they worked, what changes you may have made, also that you can refer back to this in the future and that you can also share this knowledge with someone else in the future as well if you want to. Now, I am terrible, 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 terrible at doing this, at keeping a proper grimoire. Sometimes I just do a spell and then I try to just remember it instead of writing it down, which is silly. I should get better at writing it down, but yes. So that is kind of the big tool that I would say everyone does need. And I do have a guided witch's journal that helps me a lot in that way where I didn't have to make notations for the meanings of things, for what color magic correspondences are, because that was all in there. And I know that there are some great um, creators on Etsy that have these uh, grimoire pages that you can print off that have a lot of the information on there. And then they have spaces for you to draw or write in whatever you want. So if you wanted to create a laced book of your own or a binder, that would be a great option to get those printable pages. Okay, now let's talk about altar tools. So everyone's altar is a little bit different, but a lot of the time there are always four, at least four, I should say, there are always at least four representations of the elements. So the first thing that most people like to have on their altar, whether it's a physical thing that you place down or if it's represented there on your altar cloth. Well, I guess I should go back and say an altar cloth is probably the first thing that you should have. And it doesn't have to be anything that has symbolism on it. It could just be a nice scarf, a nice little tablecloth, something that you resonate with. And it's basically to keep your surface clean and to provide a clean space for your magical workings. So once you have your altar cloth, then the next thing is the pentacle. The five points represent fire, water, air, earth, and spirit. And those are the five elements. Now for mine, I just bought this tiny little pentacle circle at this beading store that I believe is meant to be strung onto a necklace or something like that. And I just, whenever I set up my altar, if I'm not keeping it out, I just place that little pentacle on there first. I set everything else up after. So yeah, that's an important one. That's something that I do find myself using all the time because I look at it and I remember the symbolism behind it, the energy behind it, and the protection. And I always take that out and I like to use it. So the next tool that you might have heard of is a sword or a ritual knife or an athame. 
And this is symbolic of the fire element. Typically, they say like an athame is black-handled with sigils or some kind of inscription on it, and it is used to direct your energy. So this is something that many people will use to cast a circle of protection, to call upon the elements. It is, it is a way to channel your energy. However, I find that I never, ever, 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 ever use mine. I, I couldn't find an athame when I was looking for my tools. They, they were available online, but again, they were insanely expensive and they were carved out of crystal or glass and things like that. And I just couldn't justify the price at the time. And I think I ended up buying this uh, little dagger on line somewhere else thinking oh I'll just use this it's perfect it's just this tiny little dagger and when I got it it was so huge I think I talked about it in another episode it what it's it is technically a dagger but it is a really like thick knife and it's really long it almost runs the entire length of my altar cloth which is like this square shape and so it takes up so much space. And at first I was like, okay, great. Yeah, I'll just, I'll put it on my altar. And I always kept it at the bot, like the f- bottom front of the altar cloth running diagonally, not diagonally, horizontally across. Um, and it literally has just sat there. I think I used it once to try and carve into one of my candles when I had to carve into my candle and it just did not work. It was too thick and it's actually like quite sharp and I was a little worried about it and I'm a little surprised considering it's something that I ordered online and yeah, I don't know. So I have not found that I've had much use for it. The next tool that maybe a lot of people have or have heard about is a wand. Now, a wand is also used in the same way as an athame for channeling your power, but it is a symbol for air typically, but sometimes depending on your cultural tradition, it can also symbolize fire and it can be made from kind of anything, but typically like traditionally it would be made from wood and you don't have you wouldn't have just one one of the best ways that I've heard to create a simple wand for yourself is to go out to a local park or hiking trail or a forest something like that if you have that around you and to find a tree that speaks to you and then look around for any sort of dry dead branches or some really thin ones and cut off a little piece of the wood for yourself or if it's already broken off just collect it from the ground and hold on to it and see if if you feel connected to it then you can take that home and you can attach different herbs and crystals and charms and ribbons to that and really make it into something special 
And that is also used for things like casting a protection circle before you do your witchcraft. But the thing is, when I was first starting out, I was like, I absolutely need a wand. And I started looking into some custom made wands on Etsy as well. And they were all beautiful, but they were really, really, really expensive. And I didn't know at that time that I could just go out and collect my own wood. Again, I didn't feel knowledgeable enough at that time to do something like that. And looking back on it now, it feels so silly because it is something so simple and beautiful and lovely that I could have done for myself. And I just told myself, oh, like, you don't know what you're doing. You don't know enough about this. You need to just buy it from somebody who knows what they're doing. So I went on this website that had a lot of witchcraft supplies, herbs and altar supplies and things like that. And I bought this purple wooden wand. And in the picture, it looked beautiful. It looked like kind of thin. It had like these grooves carved into it that would be good for like your to hold, to grip it and handle it. It was plain. There was nothing on it. But I thought, oh, I can carve into it when I get it. I can create sigils. I can manipulate it how I want to. And then when it arrived, it was so, again, so big. And the length of it wasn't really the issue for me. It was like the thickness of the wood. It wasn't very like light and delicate and easy to maneuver. The grip part was there, but every time I picked it up, it felt like heavy and clumsy. And yeah, I just didn't love it. And I still use it here and there um, to do circle casting or protection and things like that. But I do not love it. And I honestly don't use it very often either. I have sort of fallen into more of a habit of casting a circle just while I do my cleansing with my juniper smoke. So I take my stick of juniper and I light it and then I create the protective circle with the smoke. And I allowed that to channel my energy. And that just feels more natural to me. And maybe I would feel differently if I were to have a different wand, if I were to go out and create my own. And I've uh, seen people do it. I've instructed people to do it. And they seem to have more of a connection. So it's always something that I want to do. But I have all these ideas all the time. And actually having the motivation to go out and do them is a little bit more difficult than just the idea itself. But yeah, so the sword and the wand, I keep them on the altar as well uh, in the same positions, but I, d I don't really use them that often. All right, so the next tool that you may see people using is a chalice or a goblet. And some people use this as a practical tool. They'll put things in it to drink out of, or other people will use it to hold an offering. So if you were offering water or wine or some kind of beverage to your ancestors, you would use the chalice. The chalice is used because the shape of the cup is meant to be a symbol of the feminine energy because it represents the womb. So using that on your altar is a representation of feminine energy. I do have a tiny little chalice 
that I absolutely love. It's this silver chalice that I bought. It's quite small, but it's beautiful. And it has the Trinity knot symbol on it. And I use it to offer water most times. I always have it on my altar. I place it at the very top. So because that is typically my symbol, I use that to hold my elemental water offering. So the next tool, and it's not so, this is not something that I have, but I do know a lot of people that do have these. And this is a symbolic tool, but it is also more of a practical tool that you can use. And this is a bowline knife and it has a curved blade and you probably have seen it before. It's a common tool used for harvesting. So people use it to cut wheat, often like wheat in the fields. People don't use it as much now, but that was its original purpose. And so you can use it to cut your herbs. And if it's small and thin enough, you can carve your candles or other wooden things with symbols using it. And you can also use it during cord cuttings. It has a lot of actual practical uses, but they are harder to come by. And I have never had an instance in my practice where I felt like I needed to use it. Next is a besom or a broom. And if you look back throughout history, witches have always been associated with brooms, whether we're flying on the broomsticks or hanging them outside of our house. There are all these different legends that come back to tying witches to brooms. And this is because it was always used by people that practiced the craft as a form of protection. So you could use it to sweep negative energy out of your house or away from your body. You can use the broom to banish unwanted energies. You can use it to banish unwanted guests. It can be used as protection if you hang it above your doorway if you place it upside down beside your doorway, it'll keep unwanted people away. And in Celtic tradition, it is often used in hand fasting ceremonies where a couple jumps over it once they finish their wedding ceremony. And it is to symbolize jumping together into the future. And I actually did a little bit of a TikTok video about the history behind the broom, how it's used, and the different cultures that use it and ways that they use it. And I find it really fascinating. It's also used a lot in pagan traditions in fertility dances as a phallic symbol. But you can see even in England, I recently saw a video of these women doing this beautiful, beautiful ritual dance with their broomsticks around a fire. And it was just beautiful. And I love my little broom that I have. It is so small. If you've ever seen those tiny, tiny little cinnamon brooms from the grocery store, it's about that size. Brooms are not hard to make. You can go out and you can gather really thin little sticks and then wind them together, handle, and then it has twine wrapping it all together. And I have a little Trinity knot symbol tied onto it with a gem. And I use that one all the time because 
when I sit down to do any kind of ritual, I pick that up and I sweep in the air away from my body in a circle and I sweep the energy in which I'm going to work clean and I sweep the negative energy out of the space and I absolutely love it. This is one thing I bought that I have no regrets buying because I use it all the time and it also looks really cool. So that's a plus. Now there's no like place necessarily to put this on your altar. There's no like right or wrong place. I keep it on my left hand side because I am left-handed. So when I reach to use it to brush away the energy, that's the direction that I reach for it. But yes, I absolutely love this tool. Okay. So next is a cauldron. And again, this is something that in pop culture is always associated with witches. Oh, we're cooking up potions. We're cooking up spells such and such. It's used for like creating simmer pots and creating oils and things like that. But I bought this tiny, I think it's like a 3.7 inch cast iron cauldron. It's really small and I keep it sitting on my altar all the time. And I didn't really know what I would need it for when I first bought it, but it was one of those like must-have items that I had been told about. And honestly, I use it all the time because it is so fireproof and it has a little lid. So if I am going to be doing intention work and I'm burning bay leaves or if I'm burning incense, anything like that, I do it in the cauldron because it contains it, it keeps it safe. And yeah, you don't need a really big one. Like I said, mine is so small. It's like less than four inches and I do so much in there and yeah it's great there are some things that I've come across more recently where I've thought you know I'd really like to have a slightly bigger cauldron just because I've started to do more group workings with people and it's hard to maintain a lot of things in that small space if we're burning letters or papers and bay leaves and it just starts to pile up and then I feel like oh no we're running out of room in here and it's getting a little out of control but I've had this one for like four years now and I love it I use it all the time in every magical working so that one was absolutely worth it and it is also a sim goddess symbol because like the chalice it has that round womb shape another tool is a bell and I bought a little bell with the same design as my little chalice. It's just significantly smaller, but it's almost like if you turned the bell upside down, it would look like the chalice and vice versa. So I loved that they matched and the bell is a way of cleansing your energy as well. So the vibrations from the sound of the bell when you ring it cleanses your energy around. So this is a great option for people that have asthma or are really sensitive to smoke and don't like to using the bell and using the sound. You could go to the thrift store and find a little jingle bell and use that. Just put it on a little ribbon, put it on your altar when you want to use it, just pick it up and ring the bell. So yeah, that's one that I highly recommend. I use it all the time. I also do other types of cleansing, but to me 
the more cleansing, the better. Because I want to be protected. I want a really good, clear energy space when I'm doing my work. And I mentioned this just now, but incense. So incense has a lot of purposes. And on my altar, I use it as the representation of air when I light it on fire because the smoke that it gives off is the representation of the element of air. However, if you're doing a quick working and you don't have, it can actually be a representation of air and fire because you are burning it and you are lighting it to create the smoke. So it can serve as a dual purpose on your altar and in your workings. And the great thing is, is that the smoke also serves an additional purpose. You can use that to cleanse your tools, to cleanse your space. If you're doing a ritual and you only have incense and the ash that falls off the incense could also be a representation of the earth. And I use it all the time to cleanse my tools and always use it in any of my workings. I use it to cleanse my tarot cards, my oracle cards, all of it. And yeah, it's just a really great multi-purpose tool to have if you're not sensitive to smoke, which some people are, which sucks because like usually it smells nice and it serves a really great purpose. But um, if you don't have an incense burner, there are these small little square incense packs that don't have wood on the bottom. The sticks are just fully incense. And I've seen them in a lot of crystal shops and mystical shops. So I think it's a pretty common brand. I can't think of what it's called right now. But when you buy those little boxes and you open them up, they actually have these small little square incense holders inside. So you buy the box for, I don't even know, depending on where you buy them, they can be with between like three and five dollars where I am usually and they come with the incense holder inside which is perfect especially if you're starting out you don't have a lot of tools it's it's great okay tool that is really common is an offering bowl and this is what I was talking about at the beginning where when I began to look for what I thought was an appropriate offering bowl they were all so expensive and You don't need to have an expensive offering bowl. It could literally be a bowl out of your cupboard that no one uses anymore. And I actually found like a set of four or five of these metal ice cream bowls that I think were from an old, like from a restaurant that had been donated to this antique shop. And I got four or five of them for like $5 and I use them all the time and everything. I use it as my offering bowl. And then if I have to do other sorts of workings or offerings, I use the excess ones for that as well. It's perfect. And typically what I do is I fill it with water to have an extra symbol of water element on my altar and to leave that as an offering. Now, typically as a quote good witch your offering bowl if it's water particularly should always be full because as the water evaporates you should replace it i am going to be honest with you guys i am not that witch i am not that on top of my craft i wish that i could be i find it really difficult i do my very best to be as interactive with my things as possible but i get distracted i fall off the wagon It's just life gets in the way sometimes, but I try to use those always 
as water and I honestly leave it until it dries up sometimes and then I go oh crap I remember and honestly if you're like me and you have a cat around the house that bowl of water is not going to stay there for very long because they're going to get up there and think oh this is nice this is a beautiful offering for me and you're like no that wasn't for you stop drinking the offering water but um yeah my cat does that all the time but yeah so just like any simple bowl with a little bit of water is your water element and it is also your offering another thing that i like to have on my altar is salt some people say like you can have a little bowl of salt i just have a little vial of salt um, I use it there to represent the earth element and I can also use it to sprinkle around things to add a little protection, but table salt is fine if that's all you have. And that's another thing that you can get at the dollar store for cheap or the grocery store for cheap. And that's something that you use in a lot of spells, a lot of protection magic. And salt is also great to have. I often put my incense into a little bowl of salt because when the incense burns down and it hits the salt, the salt stops it from burning any further. So it puts it out. But also the ash that's falling from the incense and falling into the salt. And if you keep leaving it and leaving it and leaving it, then that mix of ash and salt becomes black salt, which you can use also in your spells and in protective workings. And another thing that I like to mix in there when I'm done with it is if I use a charcoal disc to burn loose incense, then I will take the ashes from that charcoal and mix it in there as well. And that really darkens it. And it takes like a few months to build up that black salt. And then once it's pretty dark, then I take it aside and I put it in a separate vial. And then I will use that in my workings and I'll start over again with uh, a new. And now the last thing that I like to have on my altar and tool that I use, I have little birthday candles in there to set up for this. And it is a god candle and a goddess candle. And these are, well, depending on your culture and depending on your practice, they can be offerings and representations of the deities that you work with. So for example, if you work with Freya and Loki in Norse gods, then you would, or if you're working with multiple gods and goddesses, you would light them for both. You can take statues or any representations that you have of the deities that you work with and place them next to these candles. Now, every altar setup is a little bit different depending on what you're looking at, who you're talking to, where you learned. I like to have my goddess candle on my left-hand side and the god candle on the right-hand side. And there's no real reason for that other than I'm left-handed and that just felt right to me. Now, I don't work with any specific deities. So when I use a god candle and a goddess candle, I just use them as symbolism for the divine feminine, the divine masculine. And the reminder for me that there should be a perfect balance and that we all have both the divine feminine and the divine masculine within us. And that will ebb and flow as we need it or as we have different life experiences and that ideally we want to have this perfect balance between those energies and the ability to pull from both of those energies at whatever time in our lives different colored candles to represent this. I've seen some people say they use silver for the goddess and gold for the god. I've seen other people say green and yellow. I personally use 
white and red. I use red for my goddess candle and white for my god candle. Maybe. I'm trying to think now. I just had to put my altar away and I'm like, wait a minute. Are you forgetting your life? Uh, Quite possibly. But yeah, like even I've seen people use green and blue, yellow and orange. So it just it really doesn't matter. You can use what you have. The intention behind it matters more than the color. And that's kind of what I wanted to talk about in regards to all these tools. Yes, you can go out and you can buy all the fancy tools, but the tools don't make you a witch. You don't need all of these things. Even the things that I have said, yes, I found this really useful. Yes, I use this all the time. Like my bell, like my cauldron, um, whatever else. I can't even think about it right now. You do not need those to practice your craft. It is great if you can afford them. It's great if you can have them. Wonderful. They're great tools to have. But remember that you don't need them. And I think that that's a really hard thing. And a lot of new witches think that they need to buy all of these things to be this person. And you really don't. Witchcraft is 90% about the intention of what you're doing. And a lot of these tools that you need, like offering bowls, like candle holders, incense holders, even candles and herbs and salts, these are things that you can find at the dollar store or at the thrift store. And I've done a bunch of TikToks about this, showing basically that you can find everything that you need at a Dollar Tree or at a Salvation Army or any kind of thrift store. You don't need to go out and spend hundreds of dollars to start a craft. You can go and spend $20 at the Dollar Tree or $10 at the Dollar Tree and you can get incense and candles and a little tablecloth and little candle holders, salt, like all those things that you need, all those basic things. You can find those at the dollar store. The tools do not make the craft and the tools do not make the witch. The tools are great to have, but don't rush out and buy anything. Start your practice. And as you go through your practice, start to think about what things can I make on my own? What things can I find for myself in nature? What things can I thrift or buy cheap or borrow from someone? Maybe your grandparent or your parent has something sitting around the house that you think this would be a beautiful offering bowl and they're not using it. Maybe you can just ask to use it, whatever the case may be. You don't need to go out and spend all this money. Just do you and just enjoy your craft. And maybe as you go through learning your craft and doing these practices and beginning your spells, then you might discover, okay, yes, I do need a wand because I really like to have something in my hand to hold when I cast a circle of protection. That's safe. And I know that it'll contain the fire, whatever the case may be, just and jump into anything. You can take the craft slowly as slowly as you need to, to figure yourself out. It's not something that you can learn in a day or a month or a week. It's something that you learn and grow and add to your entire lifetime, which is why you have a notebook and a grimoire to keep notes. That's also why I love to journal in mine. I have pages where I do these manifestation journals, but I also have pages where I just do regular journals about a ritual I did, how it felt, who was there, what we did, what our intentions were. And then I look back on them now, a few years later, 
and I get to see my growth or I get to see, I really liked how that worked. I really liked the outcome of that. This is something I want to star and I want to use again and again, and I want to recommend to somebody. Just make sure that your craft is full of you and your energy and what works for you. Don't always rely on other people's ways because it might not feel right for you. I recently went to this, not recently, I guess it was a couple of months ago now, but this fall solstice gathering. And I don't really have a big community other than my family in the craft in my area. And I saw that this was going on and I thought, this is fantastic. I'm going to go there. I'm going to meet other people that are interested in this. And I'm going to participate in this huge group ritual. And I got there and it was fine. It was interesting. I got to do some cool stuff. I got to experience something new, which I love, but it just was not for me. I got really weird vibes from the whole just ritual. It felt like as someone who grew up Catholic and came from going to Mass every Sunday and all that ritual, the ritual was what I loved about Mass, to be honest with you. But when I was in this ritual, it was starting to feel very much like that sort of dynamic where the leader was like, I know best. I know what I'm doing. You say what I say. You repeat after me. There wasn't a lot of individualism in it, not a lot of collaboration, and it just didn't feel right to me. And you know what? Maybe it felt right to other people that were there that were new, and that's great. I love that for them, but it just wasn't for me. And you don't get to learn those things and know those things until you practice and try and really start immersing yourself in your craft and different things and trying different ways. And then you'll finally find the perfect mix of what's for you. And that's what this is all about. So yeah, I hope that you got to learn a little bit about the tools today. And I hope that you have a good rest of the week. Come back next week and we will be talking about divination the different forms of it, what I use, and a little bit of the history behind the different forms of it, and the best practices that I have found and that I have learned. So yeah, thank you for tuning in, and I'll talk to you.